Welcome to another exciting edition of the 90s Rock Podcast. On today's episode, we are doing the best 90s movie soundtracks. An episode my guests and I have been very excited to tackle for some time now. And I want to have everyone welcome back Mike Crumry back to the podcast. Uh, you are now back to number one, sir, as the most frequent guest. You just, you passed <laughs> Dave again. That I feel, uh, well, first, thanks for having me back. And I feel as though Dave and I is going to be a real bird magic style rivalry on the, on the podcast as far as number of appearances go. Eventually, there'll be handheld video games with you and Mike, or yeah, you and Dave competing against if, each other. If the video game industry can make podcasting game a game, then yes, like we're definitely we'll definitely be on the cover of of one of the second year ones. That, that's funny because Dave and I were just talking about our love of the HBO show of the Showtime Lakers. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. So on the heels of our most listened to episode ever, that was our 90s one hit wonders episode, which I recommend everyone check out. We're going to do a similar format today where we're going to count down from five to one, the best movie soundtracks of the 90s. And what makes this fun is we have not seen each other's lists. And if you listen to that other episode, my jaw dropped several times for some of Mike's picks. So I'm expecting that kind of that kind of excitement again today. I need you to set the bar much lower. <laughs> well, here we go. I, I want you to start it off. What is your number five pick for the best movie soundtrack of the 90s? And Things I Hate About You, re- the movie was released March 31st, 1999. So just under the gun. All right, take, I remember that movie. That's Julia Stiles, right? Yep. Keith yeah. Ledger. And, and, and Heath her, Ledger, yeah. Excuse me, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Um, that was a great movie. It was definitely like in the throes when like she's all that, like was that peak popularity, that was, but like when all of those like teen movies, like that's all there was. Seth like, Green now, was now, in like 85% of them. Correct. All we have is superhero movies. Now at that stage of the nineties, it was only high school seniors in hijinks. Right. Exactly. And it was like the ultimate, like every dude who played sports was like an idiot jock. Every yep. nerd with glasses was like a hero, but getting shoved into lockers. Yep. And, and every then the girl, second, then the second they took their glasses off, yeah, they, they were super absolute smoke shows. <laughs> God, I miss that era. It's so much simpler. Uh, but, but I don't remember any of the songs from that. Can you, do you have a couple there? You yep. can enlighten us. Yes, I do. Uh, Bare, One Week by Bare Naked Ladies, which I think was a legal requirement. At that part of the 90s, like that song had to be on. I was going to say, I think that's on several of my choices coming up. <laughs> For the record, I don't have 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, Your Winter by Sister Hazel. Oh my God, I love that band. All For yeah. You is like one of the most quintessential 90s yeah. songs ever. And there were several uh, several uh, Letters to Cleo tracks on there. Uh, I am particularly partial to the I Want You to Want Me cover. Which that was, letters uh, to Cleo did, yeah. Yep. Uh, that I believe, if I remember correctly, that was the song they played over the closing credits. And like, talk about going out on top. I mean, I just real- remember how that was like. If you were in high school at the time that movie came out, it was like, it's it's difficult to explain to like kid, you know, kids up and coming now who have the internet like at their fingertips and they're sharing memes. But it was like, if you hadn't gone that weekend 
to see that movie, you were left out of basically every conversation that was taking place in your high school. Because uh, my humor has not really matured since March 31st, 1999. uh, I, I promise you, and I have witnesses that as soon as that movie was over and my friends and I were walking out, I said, you know, there were 10 things I loved about that movie. That's why we love you, Mike. Lines like, like that. It's just well, tremendous. My, my number five, I think, dovetails actually really nicely with that because it came out around the same time and it was absolutely intended to be kind of in that same vein. So this movie came out in 1998. I'm going to reveal it in a second. But it's by the writer of Dawson's Creek and the Scream movies. And was expected to be like this massive kind of like horror hit in the vein of Scream. And it, it was, it, it did okay at the box office, but then later became like a kind of a cult classic that to this day, a lot of people swear by. And I also love the soundtrack. So that movie is none other than The Faculty. Sure. Which released in December of 1998. A, and young, out, a young John Stewart appearance yes, in that yeah, movie. John Stewart acting in that and then uh, a young woman by the name of Jordana Brewster uh, I was I was reading an interesting quote from her she filmed the first Fast and the Furious and this movie around the same time and you know based on how Scream had been doing and you know they were on this hot streak it's this young incredible cast with Josh Hartnett on the top of the bill like at the peak of his Josh Hartnett powers of you know wrinkling his eyebrows and making people swoon but she was like, for when I was filming the faculty, we're like, this is going to be this massive hit movie. And then I'm also filming this kind of like a little indie film that I think like car lovers are really going to love called Fast and the Furious. And it wound up being the complete oh, opposite. I, 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 I haven't thought about the faculty since I saw that movie, which I never, didn't see it in theaters. I, I think it was like on a cable run. But I remember I, if I looking through the, you know, 2022 lens of that movie. uh, I think the, like, I loved how the only way you could tell the difference between someone who wasn't body snatched was they basically had to snort crystal meth out of a pen. (laughs) There are some awesome plot devices in this movie. Yeah. And it's like essentially a ripoff of invasion of the body snatchers. Well, it's exactly what it is. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that was hidden at all. Like that's pretty front and center. But I got, I get, so this is not a movie podcast, but so I got to give you oh. some of the, the songs on this. So leading the way, um, this was also on their Amer- Americana album, but it really, they, they released this as a single when it was on the, well, on this soundtrack was the kids aren't all right by the offspring, which a is top, the best, if five. not the best. Yeah. It's a top five offspring song for me though. This would be choosing my top five favorite offspring songs would be a 17 hour podcast. This is also one of those movies where I think people can just get, if they go on YouTube and just watch the trailer, they'll get just as much enjoyment out of it as sitting there and watching the whole hour and a half because you get that offspring song. That's what played over the trailer and you get the whole idea behind the movie. Okay. A couple other ones on here. I I just want to name some of the bands. Like they really, I I was reading on, uh, on my half-ass internet research here that it's the same guy who put together the soundtrack for like scream. So it's basically the same production team. They're trying to put this together. So here are some of the bands you had, you had, well, they went and grabbed pink Floyd to do another brick in the wall. Okay. Oldie, but goodie. 
Then you had The Offspring. You had Creed. You had Soul Asylum. You had Garbage. You had Sheryl Crow, Sean Mullins, and Oasis. That's, I mean... So that's, that's why it's in my top five. And, you know, you sure. get, yeah, really cool garbage song, really. And Stay Young by Oasis is one of their best B-sides that I don't think would have really seen the light of day if it wasn't on the soundtrack. So I think it's, it's a really cool movie. It's worth checking out, at least the trailer again. And the soundtrack like, more than holds up. Like, I will probably listen to this multiple times today. For sure. Number four now? Yeah, hit me. Singles. Released July 30th, 1992. Okay, so when I was doing research for this, that was one that kept popping up on like other people's lists, but I'm, I was seven when this movie came out, so it just missed me. You know, if it right. come out three years later, I, th- I probably would have been all over this. So I'm so, not that familiar with the movie or the soundtrack. So, so I mean, I would have been 10 when this movie came out. So obviously not, you know, Rick and Renee Crummer aren't bringing me to the theaters to check out the Gen X hit singles, but can't Cameron Crowe movie. So legendary right. filmmaker. And what, what makes it, what gets this soundtrack on my list is that it's so of its time. Like it's all Seattle grunge music, right? Pearl jam, Allison chains, Soundgarden, uh, mud honey. Like they're all, they're all here. Uh, the only thing I found weird is that Smashing Pumpkins on there. Yeah, early Smashing Pumpkins. Very cool. Probably recorded here in Madison. Yeah. Where they recorded um, their first two albums. Um, I did find it weird that Nirvana is like Nirvana is in 92. Nirvana is not on a on a movie soundtrack about grunge music in Seattle. Like, are you they were, they were waiting to appear on 2022's The Batman, Mike? I don't know if you God. knew that. Did you By see the way- Quick aside, did you see something in the way became like the number one streaming Nirvana song on Spotify after the Batman came out? And for like, I have forgotten about that song. And then when I watched the movie, I'm like, this is red AF. And I immediately added that and several other Nirvana like B sides. Oh, yeah. Never mind. This is a really key point, too. And I mean, it should come as no surprise to our listeners, but this whole podcast is just a celebration of the 90s. And it shouldn't surprise people that I find movies from that era much more interesting than what comes out today. And it's because it's because of what we're having this podcast about, like the people in charge of choosing these soundtracks were like so instrumental. And then the songs themselves were so instrumental within the movies themselves. Mm -hmm. I can't remember anything recent where I'm like, I need to, you know, obviously you don't go out and buy a CD soundtrack anymore, but never have I been like, Hey, I need to hop on Spotify and like find the 10 songs that were played in this movie that never happens, but was amazing. Just that one track and the Batman, I'm like, it got me back into nevermind and the second half of nevermind. Cause something in the way is near the end of that. Right. And I'm like, wow, it was like really fun rediscovering that track. I will say that the album version of something in the way and the version that is played that they use in the movie, it is a little different. Like the movie version is a little, is doctored up in one way or another. One thing I need to look up uh, after we record this show is how they got permission for it. Because I know it's been really difficult to like license Nirvana music. And that's what I'm... That probably answers my question. Yeah, that's what I'm just guessing about what's going on here with... uh, But this was an awesome pick. All right. Hit me with your number four. 
All right, this is going to come as no surprise, and I have a lot to say about it. It is the first American pie. Okay, so we've reached a new threshold. I also have American pie on my list. The first much one. Higher, much okay. higher, and it actually, so we might as well just step on it now. Because- no, no, I think we should wait. I think you should do your next one, and when we hit American pie, we'll both chime in. Okay. Just like a little extra long segment on it. Okay. I think that's what the listeners want. Okay. So you want me my number three now? Yeah. Hit me with your number three. Varsity Blues released January 15th, 1999. What a great pick. That so, and that and I got to say, so Batman Forever was on my honorable mention and Varsity Blues is on my honorable mention. Batman Forever is also my on my honorable mentions list. And I really, I'm actually really excited to have that conversation. We should probably, we should probably have that conversation next. Okay. So varsity blues. Man, that's a good soundtrack. Now I feel kind of dumb for not including that. uh, So this is not me bragging in any sense. Let me preface this by saying this is not me bragging whatsoever. But in 1999, I was a high school football player. This every song song on this soundtrack is the perfect encapsulation of the music we would listen to in the locker room before and after practice, before and after game. It's like it's like they came in, grabbed our CDs, burned the best ones, and put them in this movie. I'm re- as is it allowed to change your picks mid podcast? <laughs> well, you're the you're the boss, Bill. Cause I might need to, I might need to change that. <laughs> so it's got, boy, I, I, I think we probably need to do a collective soul episode at some point in the future, <laughs> but I just want to say run the song that's on here yeah. is in my top five collective soul. It's got nice guys finish last by green day, like top yep. 10 green day song. My hero by foo fighters, top three Which, foo fighters track. For sure. Um, and like, this would have been like, early Foo Fight, like 99, like Foo Fighters were not an unknown quantity, but they weren't what they are right now. Right. Like Foo Fighters only would have been formed a couple of years prior to this. Well, I'm, you'd have to ask Dave for confirmation. I am not the Foo Fighters yeah, yeah. historian. He is. We have to, we have to edit that part out and bring in, bring in, just, Dave get, just get him on the phone. That. Yeah. Just yeah. get him on the phone real quick. But, uh, and my favorite band of all time, Third Eye Blind, like an excellent cut horror show. Uh, that's just so much fun to listen to this, to this day. That, that's the thing about some of these soundtracks is they hold up really well. We're not yeah. kind of like, so no, no disrespect to Bare Naked Ladies, but like wh- I'm not reaching to listen to one week for fun, no. but it's like nostalgia, right? Like you for remember, sure. oh yeah, that used to be huge. These are not the kind of tracks that are on the Varsity Blues soundtrack. Like these are, you can listen to them today and they, they hold up a hundred percent. There are several tracks on the varsity blues soundtrack that are on my one and only Spotify playlist, uh, including uh, Thunderstruck by ECDC, objectively one of, one of their all time greatest songs. Like this entire album is a tremendous selection of honest rock and roll music. Yeah. And it's awesome. The, the other thing that stands out about these soundtracks that we're picking and the accompanying movies is they're like, they're a lot of fun, right? Right. 
So I only have one on here that I'm going to get to. That's like, I would say is not like a ton of fun, but it's just like these, in those days you go to the movie theater and you left like beaming or like super excited right. about life and well, like music you almost, and like, like it just made you feel go, good. Yeah. You, I mean, buying soundtracks still would have been a thing at this point in the nineties. Right. Yeah. So you go, oh, see, yeah, my next pick will solidify that. Yeah. Um. So you go see these movies and you're like, man, I need to go by the experience swing by the exclusive company and see if this soundtrack is out. Like I 100% had that thought leaving varsity blues. One of the couple times I may have seen it in the theater. <laughs> it just has that iconic scene where the, uh, the girlfriend comes out in the whipped cream bikini and yeah. James is there. It's like, you still remember that like 20, however long it is later. It's like iconic scenes and iconic songs. Very cool. <laughs> if this podcast ever mission drifts into actually talking about movies, I have some thoughts on Allie Larder's career I think, and how she's been woefully underutilized. I think we're, I think we're doing that today. <laughs> Did she get market corrected by someone? That's the question. Literally anyone. <laughs> like what? She was awesome. And then she was, there was that uh, like some, like after Versi Blue, she was in some like, western adaptation i can't remember what it was called but it was like any like keen like action movie that would have been set in a city and they just okay replace skyscraper with mountain and then instead of car put everyone on a horse and now we're still going to just shoot them up i can't remember what the name of that movie was but it was not great <laughs> it'll come to you Like, All right. So what are we on? Number, number we're on my num we're on my number three. Yep. Okay. So speaking of going out and buying movie soundtracks, this, as far as I can tell, is I think maybe the top selling soundtrack of the nineties, if not of all time, I can't confirm that, but this sold over 5 million copies, uh, in the United States alone. And was, I believe the top selling CD in Australia that year. And this is the only one where I think the soundtrack vastly outshines the actual movie. And it is, of course, the City of Angels soundtrack. Wow. Is I, that on your list? It's not. But that Goo Goo, Goo, Goo Dolls song, um, what's the name? Uh, Iris. Yep. Holy man, that was an earworm. Yeah. I believe it was the most played song of 1999. Like, uh, you know, when they used the billboard charts used to compile that yeah. sorts of things or, or 1998 rather. Yeah. Um, but so this doesn't have like the breadth of the other soundtracks that we've mentioned, but just the size of the singles that came off of it, I think. And obviously the sales figures really show through. So Iris was the biggest song of the entire wow. year. And originally it was just going to appear on this soundtrack. And then obviously the, uh, the bean counters at, at RCA or Arista or wherever they were, we're like, no, we should probably put that on Dizzy Up the Girl too. Which is why if you look at that track listing, like Slide and Broadway are so up front and Iris is like right at the end because they're like, yeah, we got we to put that on. Um, but it's amazing it helped move that CD and also helped move this soundtrack. But then you also have the ubiquitous Sarah McLaughlin track, Angel, you oh, know, man. in the arms of the angel that went yeah. on to score sad uh, you know, <laughs> puppy rescue commercials. <laughs> the song that has made me years. cry at the song that has made me cry at 3 a.m. more than any other. Just trying, I'm just trying to eat a pizza and watch TV. And now this commercial's on, and now I have to weep for 20 minutes. 
the best part about this soundtrack is they put those songs back to back. Good so you're, you're crying from Sarah McLaughlin and then Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls Good comes Lord. on to just rip your heart out even more. No wonder people were sad in the 90s. So this was a huge hit at the time, and I feel like it's a little bit lost to time just because of how huge Jagged Little Pill was. But there is a great Atlantis Morissette song on here called Uninvited that it was actually a top five rock track. I do not. I'm unfamiliar with that one. You know, you know what we're going to do? We're going to drop these soundtracks on our Facebook page. Like yeah. our, we're going to put our top five list and then I'm going to put a few YouTube links to some of these songs. So Look if you're you. listening to this and you want to, and you want to listen to some of the tracks we're talking about, head over to nineties rock online on Facebook. And we'll put a few of those in there, man. This is a real fan service. And then there, there's one more. There's actually, so you too has, if God will send his angels, which was a top 40 track. I mean, it, it wasn't beautiful day by any means, but it was a, a, from that pop era of YouTube. Right. And that, that leads the soundtrack. So, so what I'm really hearing is like, if your song title had the word angels in it, like your odds were pretty good. You were going to be on this album. Yeah. So I, just in researching this episode, it's interesting how a lot of artists are approached to do music like this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it seems evenly split by they, they have some tracks that didn't fit on an album and they're like, well, maybe, you know, and they submit it and they're like, maybe right. this would fit. And then in this case, the artists were shown the movie ahead of time and they weren't required to, you know, write to what's happening in the screenplay, but it seems a lot of them landed on doing that. Wow. I mean, the, the power of Nicholas, a celestial Nicholas Cage cannot be denied. Yeah. It was this Nicholas Cage's Apex Mountain being, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that had to be face off, right? Oh my God. I was going to yeah, say, like I said, I, I, I was going to say going bankrupt, maintaining several castles in Germany, but sure. It could just be my perception, but my perception is that City of Angels is not, is not much remembered at all outside of the music. No, I would say that's fair. And it's, it's, I mean, it's a high, it's like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's, it's higher, but it still was rotten, at least from the critical perspective. So, all right, I'm ready for, what are we on your number two? Do you want to pepper in some honorable mentions here? I, I just have Batman Forever and Varsity Blues on, and we covered Varsity Blues pretty well. Okay. So I, Batman Forever has some City of Angels energy to it in the sense for that sure. I don't think it's like overly deep, but just the size of Kiss by a Rose from look, Seal was inescapable. Look, Batman Forever gave us Kiss from a Rose, and that is a cultural contribution that cannot be ignored. Have you seen Popstar, the Andy Samberg movie? No. That, that's got to go. There's a great seal appearance. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, yeah, it just re- brings back so many fond memories of Kiss by a Rose. I also have one more honorable mention I'd like to throw out there. Uh, the Crow. You know, I thought about it. didn't quite make honorable mention, but it was I had to review the music that was on there. Lots of 90s metal really expanded the audience for Nine Inch Nails. And between the the music and the movie, it allowed goth kids to walk in the 90s so emo kids could run in the early 2000s. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> you, got, you got Stone Temple Pilots on there, Rage Against the Machine, yeah. The Cure. Yeah, yeah, that's strong. It's so all Every angsty 90s song made it on the, the Crow song. Like, it's not necessarily my speed to listen to an entire album of that, but there, it should, it should be mentioned. 
All right. I'm really fired up for our top two. Okay. I know. And we haven't even covered my number four American pie yet. So we got, we got some, we got some work to do. Okay. So that actually works out perfectly for my number two, because I, this is a split decision between American pie and American pie two soundtracks. This is why we're friends. So I got to tell you my number two, it's American pie two. So I am so, I am so committed. And I was like, do I really want to put two movies from the same franchise on one list? And yep. just reviewing the two soundtracks, it was like choosing between your children, deciding right. which one went higher. I, I gave American Pie 2 the edge, but let's get into it. Okay. So if you look at, if you were to combine both soundtracks, as like just let's, it's easier for me, it was easier to think of them as just one album, just like, a, like one double album, right? Almost every song on both albums you heard on the radio. Now, a lot of that, that this is a real causation correlation argument because a lot of those songs would have been on the radio anyway because they were top hundred hits, right? So I'm not saying they, I'm not saying they split the atom here, but that's a, that's metrics that can't be ignored. So are you, do you pick um, AP one or AP two? Which, which one edged out or do you have them just tied? I have them splitting they're they're cutting the silver metal in half okay gotcha so i gave two the edge but what one thing stood out researching this and i don't know if you have the wikipedia page open what really stands out to me is the songs that were in the movie that are not on the soundtrack if you made those a soundtrack i think that might make my number one <laughs> like it's incredible it, it's like if if I went back in a time machine and got to score this movie, I might do it exactly the same. So let's just go real quickly through, through AP one songs that were in, actually in the movie, but aren't on the soundtrack. You have the aforementioned one week by bare naked ladies. You have semi charm life, third eye blind. I walk alone, Oleander celebrity skin hole, everything to everyone ever clear flagpole said Harvey danger. How sweet it is by Marvin Gaye. It's like, it's got classics. It's got, you know, current classics. It's got and yeah, just an incredible and the way it's scored in the film just makes it so rewatchable. Mm -hmm. But to get it. So it's AP one on the actual disc that you would buy has it's funny. Varsity blues had this awesome third eye blind uh, deep cut and uh, horror show, but new girl, which just came to Spotify, by the way, is this super fun. It's only two minutes and 16 seconds, but it's like, Semi Charms Life, uh, it's Long Lost Brother. It's just the, like kind of rap syncopated song that is so much fun to listen to. Uh, these uh, on AP2, like that was the AP2 soundtrack was like really where uh, I learned about some 41 and they're, you know, in the early two, uh, was it uh, at lip? was on like it in like several tv shows it was uh on in several movies like this american pie 2 is was arguably a launching pad for some 41 and that also needs to be acknowledged yeah it was very cool because it's on the ap2 soundtrack fat lip but then they also uh, near the end of the movie into deep plays and so yep. you get the two biggest and best some 41 songs in that same movie and i i gave uh to the edge just because, I mean, you can run through 
like the first few tracks on here, like Blink 182. Every time I look for that you, that was another, yeah. yeah. Blink 182 is another one that was they a did, band that didn't need exposure and yet was on several soundtracks. They did an incredible job of not always, well, in some 41's case, okay, that's the biggest single, but they did an incredible job. Like they could have grabbed Flavor of the Week by American Hi Fi. But they found uh, this song Vertigo, which was either a B-side or a song that didn't make the album. But it it's awesome. Like it's an in-your-face, balls-of-the-wall type rocker. And it was like, so you got some big hits and then you got your favorite bands on there with like cool songs you may not have heard before. I also need to give a, a shout out to all my college roommates because we played the holy hell out of Phoebe Cates by oh my Phoenix, God. Phoenix TX. Phoenix, Texas. Yeah. I don't even know how to say it. TX. <laughs> Texas or TX. Yeah. Yeah. But that uh, was yeah, also I, one of my favorite. Like I listened to that when I was putting together my outline. I was in the living room with Liz and she's like, can you put headphones in? I'm just like playing Phoebe Cates. <laughs> I put that on the other day when I was mowing the lawn and it like propelled me at like double speed. For sure. Because sometimes you listen to a song and you're like, yeah, it didn't age well or I don't remember why I loved it. But I, I put on Phoebe Cates and I'm like, I started looking up the band. And I'm like, are they touring? Like, I, I'm totally <laughs> down to go take go see this song live. Um, just to go through a couple other ones, like Alien Ant Farm is on there. Oh my God. Three Doors Down re-recorded a different version of Be Like That from their debut album. That's That's really good. And here's how good this album is. There's a song by Uncle Cracker that I don't hate. <laughs> I mean, look at that. I mean, miracles do happen. Yeah. And to, to put a bow on it, here's just a couple of songs from the AP2 movie that didn't make the soundtrack. You did. They went out and grabbed Lit, A Place in the Sun, Flavor of the Week, American Hi-Fi, Hash Pipe by Weezer, Want You Bad, Offspring, Hit or Miss, Newfound Glory. And they even brought back Semi-Charm Life from the first one. So just, just, I, it's fun. You could put on those movies in the background and listen to them as a soundtrack as much as you could listen to them as a, or watch it as a movie. The offspring want you bad is solidly my second favorite of their song. The first changes depending on my mood, but number two is always want you bad. The hook for that song is tremendous. I've been back uh, just in general on an offspring kick to me that for whatever reason, they've always felt like a summer band. It's like, once it starts getting hot out, I'm like, let's put the offspring records on. It just, it sounds so good in the sun. It's doesn't make great Christmas music, you know, but no. it's like, yeah, out at the beach or, or driving with the windows down. Like that is a great they, soundtrack. So I moved to Milwaukee, May 21st. They played at the Eagles, May 22nd and had I not been exhausted, I that would uh, I would have knocked on the door to maybe I need to go need maybe I need to see them. All right, I think it's that time. Our our corporate overlords at Zoom let us know we have six minutes remaining, and judging by you not mentioning this soundtrack, I'm going to guess we have the same number one. We've never it, we've never had this. We've had we've now had the same soundtrack on a list, but never in the same spot. So I'll do a drum roll. What's your number one album? Empire Records. No, we have different. All right. <laughs> All right, hit me with Empire. I, I, to me, immediately, just the Gin Blossoms start playing in the back of my mind. Yeah. So Empire Records intro, like, was my first real introduction to 90s music. It's why, I, it's why I'm here with you, Rob. Uh, every song on the 
that soundtrack is incredible. My personal favorite is Sugar High from Coyote Shivers, who played Burko in the movie. We'll, we'll drop uh, that link in the in the Facebook comments yeah, too. Absolutely, my favorite song on that on that album. Do we have I to see, mention that Cody Shivers in the over has proven to be problematic? Apparently, he had a contentious relationship with Polly Perrette from NCIS in the nineties. So let's let's acknowledge that. Ooh, it's got one of my favorite songs ever on there. Crazy Life, Toad the Wet Sprocket. Yep. Great song. Better than Ezra's on there. Cracker is on there. What, what do you think of the movie itself? I, I just watched it again recently. So, For me, the movie doesn't really work, but obviously the yeah, soundtrack behind I it. Will, awesome. I will say that. Uh, so let's see. Empire Records came out in September 95. This was another one that I would have watched on cable at some point. So as a teenager, it's awesome, right? Look at all these cool, beautiful people with this awesome job in this awesome record store doing awesome things. Now that I'm 40, wait, so Liv Tyler is in high school and is doing speed and is dating uh, like some like 20 year old, 22 year old artist. It's like, very confusing. That's a problem. Uh, Ethan Embry is awesome in that movie. Uh, plays Mark. Uh, what what's the uh, the fake artist that comes to their to Rex their Manning. store? Yeah, yeah. Rex I do. Well, I love the music video that they shot yes. for him. And I read that originally the guy like the behind the scenes they'd been contracted to like put together a thirty second clip, and they're like, let's just do the whole thing. And they literally made like a full fledged music video. So on the internet, Rex Manning Day is a real thing. Like, oh yeah, I noticed this, especially this year. It's really picking up. Uh. Liz and her sister, they missed Rex Manning Day this year for reasons that we shall not go into. But usually they will, on Rex Manning Day, they'll watch the movie. And like it's a legit phenomenon. An excellent pick. That is a classic for sure. I, I think most people think of Till I Hear It From You from Gin Blossoms, and then you dive into the rest of that, and it's just a who's who of, of, of great artistry. All right, my number one is... The Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. Yeah. One of us is going to have it on the list. Yeah. Like they, that one is on, made it in my honorable, honorable mentions, if only because of my undying love for Claire Danes. To me, it, it's in a similar vein as City of Angels, where I sure. really like about half the album, but the half that I like is so strong, it outweighs all other challengers. Uh, and that, it outweighs the half you're largely indifferent for. Yes, exactly. Uh, and leading the way for me personally, and I think for a lot of people. So this album debuted at number two on the Billboard 200 and went triple platinum. I think largely on the success of two singles, the Cardigans Love Fool, mm -hmm. which again, uh, you know, pre-streaming era, some songs were would best be described as inescapable. And that would that be one, one of them. them. But uh, I, at some point I'm going to have to compile, you know, my top 20 songs of all time. Cause I think I have like 60 top 20 songs right. of all time. So, the, uh, so, so we'll aim for 2024. Yeah. For the, <laughs> with for with that, that in mind, I find number one crush by garbage to be their finest work. And one of my, one of my favorite songs of all time, something that it's, it's one of those things when it comes on, like, it's almost like a rewatchable movie. It's like, doesn't matter where you come into it. You're like, I'm finishing this out. 
finding something new, something interesting. And it's just like, it, it literally like evokes like dark, dirty obsession. Like they do such a job making it such a cinematic song. And I think that's why it works so well on this movie soundtrack. Also uh, strong entries from Radiohead and Butthole Surfers. <laughs> Yes, two names that just define the 90s. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Local God by Everclear. I, I noticed uh, Everclear is also a thread that, that kind of exists throughout all these albums that we've been picking. And for good reason. Yeah. So, Mike, this was another awesome episode. Thank you for joining me. Again, we're going to put our lists and some of our favorites down in the comments on Facebook. So feel free to comment with your favorites and check out some of our songs. And, uh, well, if uh, history... Is any judge, Mike, I think you'll be back on soon. So we'll talk. Yeah, it's we'll good talk to talk to you soon. again, Rob. We've got plenty more 90s rock to discuss. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.